Following the excitement last week generated by the release of Lula in Brazil and the ongoing uprising in Chile of the working class against neoliberal austerity, we learned earlier this week that Evo Morales, longtime Bolivian president and leader for the movement towards socialism, has been deposed in what looks to be a bloody coup. The situation on the ground is fast unfolding. It's hard to say how this thing is going to turn out. I am recording this on Tuesday midday. I've got word from the Spanish-speaking press that Morales' indigenous supporters are rallying as we speak. They have defeated the police in some neighborhoods and cities, and the police, which is now a solidly anti-regime, anti-Morales regime that is, pro-coup, are asking for the military's help. It remains to be seen what side the military will take. The military has not been overly antagonistic of Morales and his MAS movement over the past decade or more, but in recent weeks, they have placed their thumb on the scale. Word has it that a couple of days ago, they advised Morales to step down from his position and perhaps even leave the country for his own safety. In other words, folks, there was a coup in Bolivia. And yet so many people across the world, and in the United States in particular, are refusing to call it a coup. Much to their credit, Bernie Sanders, AOC, and Ilhan Omar, among many others, have openly taken to the airwaves and called it a coup. They say whenever a president is deposed by extra-constitutional means, particularly when the military is involved, it is quite literally a coup. Of course, the Trump administration is trumpeting this as a triumph of democracy. Marco Rubio and his uh, anti-democratic cronies in South America finally have a win under their belt after being soundly defeated in their attempts to install Juan Guaido and topple the Venezuelan Bolivarian government. So this coup in Bolivia was largely sparked by a report by the Organization of American States, who monitored the October elections in Bolivia. This report by OAS argued that there were a significant amount of, quote, irregularities in the election that was held, which uh, saw the re-election of Evo Morales. Evo Morales has been the target of much criticism over the past couple of months because he has attempted to overturn the term limits that are enumerated in uh, Bolivia's constitution. He was running for his fourth term as president of Bolivia as enabled by the Bolivian Supreme Court, and uh, he was deposed. In fact, he wasn't even able to finish out his term, his recent current term, which was to end in January. He has instead fled for Mexico for his own safety at the advisement of Bolivia's military. This is a coup, make no mistake. And in today's episode of Dead Pundit Society Hot Takes and Field Notes, we're going to be talking with Kevin Cashman of the Center for Economic and Policy Research. They have put out a number of reports disputing the OAS's claim that there were irregularities in that election on October 20th. So, was it a coup? Was it not a coup? Were there election irregularities? Let's talk about it. As I mentioned in the intro, the good folks at the Center for Economic and Policy Research have put out a couple of press releases over the past couple of days 
giving uh, severe doubts to the mainstream media reports that there was significant election irregularities in Bolivia after the October 20th uh, elections there. Uh, joining me today is Kevin Cashman. He is a senior associate at CEPR. He uh, is, among many other things, the author of a really fantastic tweet thread that has been shared around the internet uh, thousands of times by now, really debunking these claims that there were election irregularities. So we're going to talk all about that. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So the report put out by the Center for Economic and Policy Research uh, was called What Happened in Bolivia's 2019 Vote Count? The Role of the OAS Electoral Observation Mission. Uh, so there's a lot to break down here. Uh, the mm -hmm. events are ongoing. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll stay up to date with the, this uh, very kinetic process that's underway in Bolivia. But talk to us a little bit about this tweet thread that you put out uh, maybe about two days ago now. Uh, it's quite long. Most tweet threads are about angry, uh, you know, <laughs> Brooklyn journalists who were snubbed at the local Cracker Barrel or something like that. But this one was quite productive and, and important, and it set the record straight um, in, in the midst of uh, a, a media atmosphere, I think, that was uh, very misguided. So it's a breath of fresh air. Talk to us about this tweet thread. What inspired you uh, to, to take this up? Um, so uh, we look at elections in Latin America a lot, and um, uh, we had done a, a fair amount of work on Bolivia before the election, um, outlining its progress under Morales. The, the country, is, its economy has grown, incomes have, have gone up a lot. Um, so there's a real uh, story about progress there. But um, when this election happened, there was a lot of misinformation in the media about uh, especially the English-speaking media about what actually happened. And uh, the narrative on election day was uh, completely wrong, to be frank, among almost every outlet. Uh, nobody in the English-speaking media and uh, you know, even in the Spanish-speaking media uh, haven't really told the story of uh, what happened and how the process works, uh, the specifics of uh, what the Organization for America States was objecting to, and if that made sense at all. They were saying that uh, exactly what the opposition's narrative was. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I mean, as media, they should do better, obviously. We put out a report analyzing the election and analyzing the uh, OAS's claims about the election. Um, and that's a, you know, a statistical analysis. It's not the place to you know, run down step by step what happened. So I thought the thread could complement that and sort of go through the basic issues that people would need to understand what happened. And obviously, I have my own opinions about what happened, but there are just basic facts about the election that were in no English speaking media. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let me jump in here and, and let's let's talk about the most important uh, contribution, I think, of your tweet thread and also the report released by CEPR, which is that it seems that the the OAS, uh, the OAS's early objections were related directly to this quick count mm -hmm. that was is kind of this uh, somewhat idiosyncratic uh, feature of, you know, Bolivia's electoral system. And, and the manipulations that were taken up by the mainstream media internationally, uh, you know, as this, as this sort of, uh, you know, the story, the official narrative, uh, all others were to be thrown into question. And, and that one by the opposition, the OAS, was the official story. 
Um, even sympathetic journalists at the BBC, Al Jazeera, I've seen others take that as the gospel. And any critic who comes on, you know, has to marshal significant evidence in order to overthrow that one. But as your paper shows in your thread, your Twitter th thread uh, argues, there really isn't any evidence for that official narrative in the first place. So let's start with that quick count. What is the quick count in the first place and what were the objections related to it? Yeah, so the quick count is simply a way to get uh, election results faster out to the public and the media. And the OAS has been uh, a proponent of them. They've been uh, funding uh, the implementation in a variety of countries, uh, Paraguay, Uruguay. Um, other countries have similar systems. It's called a parallel vote tabulation system. And it, to me, it seems, you know, why would you want to have two sets of results? It's very confusing. But in Bolivia and other countries, it might be logistical delays until you get the official results. And so that might take days. That count is supposed to um, make, make people confident that the electoral authority in the interim period when there's no official results, uh, that the election is proceeding smoothly. Uh, but in this case, it did uh, virtually the opposite. It uh, took a legitimate results and basically cast doubt on them. Um, and it's important to talk about the quick count in Bolivia. Uh, they've been using it for a few years. Um, we have a section in our paper that goes over when they released the results, at one, what percentage that they released the results. And that's extremely damning because in this election, the electoral authority appears to have done exactly what they did in previous elections that are similar. So nationwide elections where it's very hard to get a good percentage of the, or a complete percentage of the the, the vote tabulated in time. And so, uh, you know, if I were the Bolivian electoral authority, I'd be like, you know, why is the OAS who wanted me to implement this system objecting to me doing exactly what I did last time? Mm -hmm. And in the 2017 elections, they said they did an exemplary job. So it, it doesn't quite make sense. Um, and so um, I go on to talk about, uh, you know, how basically the doubt that the OAS uh, created in this count was weaponized by the opposition. And it was uh, uh, weaponized to a degree where eventually it caused, you know, a coup. Um, and the OAS is, in my view, directly responsible for starting uh, the, these actions towards that coup. Yeah, yeah. So it seems to me that there were some opportunities here that were seized by an opposition, a political and economic opposition that has been uh, really catalyzed around Carlos Mesa. There are a number of other far more right-wing paramilitaries. Even uh, I've heard stories of Christian fascists. This uh, this figure Camacho is getting a lot of uh, press in the in the left media in the United States for being a very uh, like objectively and obviously a uh, bad guy. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about the more legitimate political forces in Bolivia. How have they seized this opportunity? Um, and and there seems to be a real vacuum of of power left in, in the wake. What happens next in Bolivia before we get to more of the, the sort of uh, nitty gritty details? I, I honestly don't know what will happen. It, there was a military coup. Uh, you know, the military suggested Morales resign. Um, you know, Morales is, is a very popular figure in Bolivia. Uh, Bolivia is the most indigenous country in Latin America, and he's their first indigenous leader. And, you know, if you look at the results of this election, 
you know, it's clear, even if you, you know, forgetting about whether there was a first round or a second round, he clearly was the candidate that got the most votes. And, uh, you know, the the opposition in Bolivia is going to have to reckon with that because there are a lot of morale supporters who are very upset. They're, it's obvious to them that this is a coup. And, uh, you know, they're not going to take becoming uh, a colonized people again very lightly, and uh, it could easily cause a civil war. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it, we are recording this midday Tuesday here in the U.S. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, there's already stories of the pro-MAS, pro-Morales demonstrators gaining increasing strength, in many cases defeating the police forces, the anti-regime police forces, and the police forces have called on help from the military. This is all in the Spanish-speaking press. I myself, not a strong Spanish speaker. I'm only sort of reading through the details. So this is a situation that is very much, uh, you know, still developing. Let's Let's talk. Let's go back to the report here. What are some of the claims made by the OAS? I've heard narratives, uh, stories being weaved that uh, the regime cut off Internet access in order to stop the vote count, that there were uh, signature irregularities. How, How did your report address some of these objections by the OAS and their watchdog group uh, over the past uh, the election in October 20th? Um, so, so first, I'll say that the OAS mission in Bolivia has uh, not been forthcoming with, uh, you know, the the data that goes into their conclusions. They haven't provided evidence and any of their claims. They haven't provided the specific information they're using to create their analyses, um, and that's very troubling to me. And also, it makes it hard to replicate the results. Um, but I'll, I'll start with the quick count in uh, on election day and uh, the day after. Bolivia has these two systems for counting votes, and at no point did the official count stop at any point. What happened was, like they did in the previous elections, the electoral authority suspended reporting, and this is important, reporting of the quick count results. Basically, they stopped publishing them, which is in line what they did previously. Uh, It doesn't mean they stopped collecting information for that count. It doesn't mean it had anything to do with the official count, as far as I can tell. And uh, it doesn't mean that uh, the images that poll workers were taking of the tally sheets weren't being uploaded to their server. It's clear Bolivia has problems uh, running the election, just like any electoral authority has. They had security concerns. Uh, One of them they investigated after they had their press conference and determined it wasn't an issue. They have a contractor that has uh, other security concerns. Basically, uh, they point to vulnerabilities in this system. And it's, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, I don't want to pick on a state, but let's say like uh, Ohio, if you look at Ohio's electoral uh, authority, uh, you know, in their vote counting system, I'm sure any security researcher could look at their database and say, oh, this database has these vulnerabilities, you should patch them. Uh, That those, the existence of those vulnerabilities has been weaponized to indicate that there's fraud. But if you have a vulnerability, you need to indicate how it's been exploited and how it leads to fraud. You need to provide evidence of that. You can't just point to a vulnerability and say that it is evidence in and of itself of fraud. One of the contractors also said that his internet was cut. Yeah, I have no idea if that's true or not. Uh, he even said in an interview afterwards that he has no idea what happened to his internet. So. I mean, it's just not something we can verify, and I mean, it's not even relevant to 
what we should be focusing on, which is the official count. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my internet went out this morning as well, but I don't think there were any um, nefarious, uh, you know, figures, shadowy figures behind that uh, outage, uh, you know, standing for uh, Morales or, the, or or Moss. There's a, there's a similar there's a there's a similar thread that we've seen in Venezuela and elsewhere. Whenever there's a, a situation mm-hmm. like this one, is it's taking very regular, very workaday kind of uh, features and failures of any political or electoral system and, and, and making them ex- somehow exceptional. Um, that seems to be the case here, particularly with a lot of the claims being made by the OAS. Um, why do you, I mean, <laughs> sheer speculation here, we're getting away from the data, you know, statistically oriented uh, piece here, but why do you think it is that the international media is picking up, is seizing on these completely unsubstantiated claims and turning them into the ready-made narrative here. Uh, you know, it would be far too easy to to claim some kind of conspiratorial aims, you know, that this is the workings of some masterful uh, American imperialism, sort of puppets on strings and so on and so forth. There are clearly domestic forces inside of Bolivia and in the region uh, who would like to see Morales gone and, and they would like to see a neo- neoliberal regime uh, reinstituted. Um, but why is it is, do you think, that that uh, this kind of sloppiness with the data uh, prevails so, so easily? I think that, uh, you know, the U.S. is is proved that when it needs to make a decision, it will do the thing that favors the the right wing elements. You see that in Venezuela with you know recognizing Guaido. Uh, you know that's unprecedented in diplomatic history what they did there. So if you're the opposition in Bolivia, you know it's not necessarily a conspiracy, and I have have no insight on whether it's a conspiracy or not, but it, it certainly sends signals that you can get away with. Uh, basically pointing out uh, small failings or, you know, not even a failing at all and uh, blowing it up into a full-blown coup. Uh, Or, you know, even if it doesn't get to the coup, you could establish a parallel government and seize Bolivia's assets abroad, Um, you know, stuff like that. And and, uh, I think just the presence of the United States on the scene with that posture, you know, has a lot to do with why these things happen in the first place. Um, but, uh, But I'll also say that the, the OAS statisticians, as far as I can tell, completely misrepresented uh, what happened with these early quick count results. They said that there was a jump in the results and it, it, you know, it makes no sense and it couldn't possibly happen. And we proved in our paper that it was in line with the trend. We also looked at uh, you know, a manual for observing a quick count, which was published by the National uh, Democratic Institute. And that's a, you know, that's hardly a left-wing organization. And in the manual for observing quick counts, it, it has a, a litany of things to say that uh, you shouldn't do when you're observing a quick count. One of them is, uh, you know, don't predict the election based on, uh, you know, a random point that you pick. In this case, 83% of the results are 84%, because the later results could have a very different voting pattern. Um, and you know, we show that uh, later uh, results favor Morales, be- mostly because they're coming from rural areas. So when you have that kind of analysis that is extremely sloppy, you know, you're inviting, you know, people to challenge the election based on your analysis. If you look at their official audit report, which came out on uh, uh, Saturday uh, or Sunday, sorry, uh, you see that they're doing more of the same because they point to vulnerabilities. They don't prove fraud. 
they focus on the quick count, which again is like, you know, important to get right, but also isn't the official count. And then uh, part of their justification in throwing out the official count and redoing the elections is that uh, opposition uh, uh, members burned electoral tribunals. And so the electoral authority had to use backup data to basically verify results. Um, and if you're if you're an opposition in any country in Latin America and you hear that the OES is willing to back you if uh, you burn electoral like uh, you know buildings, um, if you know say you're having an election and uh, uh, the results aren't going your way, just burn the electoral authority and then you'll get yeah. a new election. Like you know that kind of stuff really emboldens people. Right, right. So there's this blurring of boundaries between, you know, uh, objective observers and 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 sort of, uh, you know, scientific statistical analysis uh, versus, you know, people who are actually provoking political outcomes. It's funny because here in the United States, we just recently had an election night, election day. And I remember watching with uh, a lot of excitement some of the election results coming in. Some really great candidates who who were challenging, uh, you know, people and 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 they won. Uh, and, and you know, at certain points of the night, you know, perhaps there was a stronghold in a certain state, uh, for example, and there was a city that 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 certainly leaned far more liberal. And so, uh, you know, the they were they were only at eighty percent of the 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 results reported, but the the final twenty percent was going to come from like say a major metropolitan area that that is overwhelmingly a sort of you know center left or left. Right. Compared to the rest of the relatively red state. And they call the election at that point. Right. Because, well, you know, uh, everybody but Philadelphia has reported and the Democrats up by, you know, 20 percentage points. And Lord knows Philly's going to go to the Democrats. So we'll call it. Right. I mean, these are the these are the kind of just very basic, uh, obvious projections that are made all of the time. And your report demonstrates that uh, this was this, the same kind of trend that we saw as the votes were counted in the in the rural areas where the indigenous supporters of Morales uh, reside. So it's just a very sloppy and obviously politically motivated uh, claim to be making. Let's let's finish up here by talking a little bit about the context that got us here in the first place, because one of the objections that you get that has a way of papering over the sloppiness of the statistical analysis here is that Morales shouldn't have been running in the first place. That, and I think your thread deals with this, that the Supreme Court in Bolivia is a uniquely political entity that uh, re it reveals obvious corruption insofar as it allowed Morales to abolish term limits in the first place. Uh, what say you to that charge? If, if, if the opposition had a problem with the Supreme Court ruling the way it did, uh, it should have been in the streets at that point to do something about it. Uh, you can't you can't have an election, run the election, agree to abide by the outcome, and then say, oh well, he shouldn't have been running anyway, so that justifies what we're doing now. That that makes zero sense. And and also, as far as uh, I know, the uh, the justices on the Supreme Court are elected. So you know, if if he has a strong political party and the justices in his political party get elected. Uh, you know, that that it has something to do with him because he's the leader of the party, but it's not like he's appointing justices like we do in the United States. He's not appointing his friends uh, like Donald Trump does uh, in order to, like, take over this separate branch of government. Um, so, you know, first you have to understand how the Supreme Court works. And then, you know, every Supreme Court in the world in my book is political. Journalists should be asking the opposition why 
this was such a problem now that they basically lost the election? That's the question they should be asking. Um, and they should also be asking why the opposition opposed the OAS doing an audit in the first place. Because um, if you're an, an opposition party and you think you won an election, uh, you know, it's very hard to understand why you wouldn't want an audit of it. And it's very hard to understand why you're bringing up stuff, you know, from months ago or years ago in this case and saying that's, you know, you shouldn't even had an election in the first place. If you did that in the United States, you would be laughed out of the room. Like, you know, the, the political, you know, either if it's the Democrats or the Republicans on the other side, you know, they would they would totally ignore you because it would it would never pass for for an argument. Yeah, that's absolutely right. On the one hand, it's like they fetishize proceduralism to an absurd degree, you know, like how dare Morales run for an additional term against the term limit provisions in the Constitution. He is a dictator, you know. But on the other hand, it's perfectly fine that, you know, he was run out of office months before his existing term even was supposed to be over. So it's like they, they fetishize proceduralism on the one hand and then completely ignore it or come up with all sorts of exceptions and asterisks uh, on the other hand. It's really disingenuous, and it's quite obvious that they are uh, just blatantly pursuing a political and ideological agenda masked as an objective, uh, statistically-oriented project. Uh, but we see right through it. So in parting, there are a lot of people out here, I think in my audience for sure, who are trying to combat the international mainstream media tidal wave of propaganda when it comes to this particular story. What are some parting words you can give the audience out there? Give us a pep talk. How do we proceed moving forward? How do we fight this overwhelming onslaught coming from the international media that there were election regularities, that Morales is a dictator, that uh, all the opposition is doing at this point is you know, upholding the, the, the rule of law. So what should our response be to those absurdities? Well, well, first I would say that, uh, you know, and, and if you're trying to interpret the election uh, results, uh, you have to do it in the lens that uh, these problems happen to every electoral authority. And, and there probably are irregularities in the Bolivian election, and those should be investigated, uh, just like there are irregularities in every election. Uh, but I, I guess I would say I want people to see the role that the OAS played in making all of this happen, because um, it's it's unconscionable for an observer, an intergovernmental organization, which includes countries with very different politics. You know, we have a new leader in Argentina. Um, we have a, a, a leftist president uh, in, in Mexico. Um, they don't agree with with how this all played out in Bolivia. Um, and I think there really has to be an independent audit of what the OAS did, and there has to be an independent audit of the election. Well said. We've got a long road ahead of us. The events in Bolivia are unfolding very quickly. It is a highly kinetic situation, as the pundits like to say. But thanks again to Kevin Cashman, Senior Associate at the Center for Economic and Policy Research, for all the hard work that you and your colleagues are doing to try to debunk some of these falsehoods that are circulating in the international media. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everybody out there, for watching. Once again, if you like this video, be sure to give it a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel so that you won't miss our upcoming videos just like this one. 
Leave us a comment if you have any questions or additional concerns related to the ongoing situation in Bolivia and South America or otherwise. Tell your friends about DPS Media. Share us on your social media feeds. And we will see you all next time.